0: That's a pathetic person. We would never do something to hurt other people.
1: I mean, we are talking about doing crimes, so let's not get too hasty.
0: You haven't heard my pitches for crimes yet. They're all actually really fun.
1: When last year came around, it left us with questions that linger. Feeling directionless. Seems like the world gave us the finger. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do with our lives? Lisa and Colin need to figure it out. This is the show we figure out what to do with our lives.
0: As we like to so often do going back to our high school theater days, didn't you play? The famous criminal Nathan Detroit and Guys and Dolls.
1: Right. Is he a criminal or is he just sort of a shifty character?
0: He's kind of a scammer.
1: Yeah, he's a scammer, which is what I wanna be instead of a instead of a hardened, violent criminal. I wanna be a scammer. Mm Mm-hmm. Good old, reliable Nathan, 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 Nathan Detroit.
0: Did a lot of girls want to date you when you played Nathan Detroit? Because isn't that the Frank Sinatra role? (laughs) I feel like that would make you very dreamy. You already are, but even more dreamy to people. I don't
1: remember a lot of girls wanting to date me in high school, but I was pretty oblivious to most things in high school.
0: What's that noise?
1: (laughs) Uh, You know... A truck.
0: This is why you have to move back to Albany, like I'll probably end up doing, because there's no noise here. No noise. The only no noise is the cardinal at my window bidding me good morning. <laughs> good morning, Risa. And one and unto you, Cardinal. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. um, I thought maybe because Nathan Detroit was very swoony, even though he was kind of a gambling, shady grifter type of guy.
1: Right. And that's the sort of energy I think that we want to bring to our life of crime phase.
0: Yeah. Uh, One thing about crime that's interesting to me when I started to go down the deep dive, and this will lead into our research, is just that crime can mean so many different things. I mean, you hear crime. And you immediately think of, personally, I think of like the most heinous crimes that a person could commit. But there's such a broad spectrum when it comes to crime. And there's a lot of little crimes you can get away with that, you know, seem kind of interesting. And and as I said, like no one's really getting hurt from them.
1: You know, what's wild to me is that we went through all of high school and college and at no point did anybody explain like all the different crimes you could commit like some of them are obvious right you know you and me know you can't murder somebody
0: we know about that firsthand we know (laughs) and yes i am referencing if you're from upstate new york you know what i'm referencing
1: there's been only one murder in all of upstate new york
0: and it was in our town and it was five blocks from my house but more about that later.
1: <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> the point is, isn't it weird? It's actually kind of weird, I think, that nobody explains, like, that that uh, tax evasion is a crime and that fraud is a crime. All these little crimes that you could probably break without even knowing it.
0: Yeah, there should have been a class on that. Like, we got a lot of dare keeping us off drugs, But maybe they wanted to also let us know that it's a crime to scam the elderly. Right. I didn't know that. You Uh, didn't? (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't have done it so many times if I knew it was a crime. (laughs) Like, there's just a lot of things you don't think about that you would actually get. There might be repercussions. You know they're kind of naughty, but you don't know how naughty.
1: Right. And also, they didn't tell you what to look out for.
0: What do you mean by what to look out for?
1: Well, I'll give you an example from my own life. So when I first moved to New York, I moved in with some friends of mine, friends of friends basically. And I was and we were all in our early 20s and living in Brooklyn and for whatever reason the people that I moved in with had this relationship with these with people from the street where people from the street would know like if they wanted to sell something that they found they could knock on the door because it was a garden apartment and the guys that lived there would sometimes buy their crap whatever they were selling so this was happening when I first moved to New York this was happening all the time people would knock on the door and they'd be like hey I have this thing do you want to buy it and Sometimes the people that I was living with would buy it, but I was just, and because I was new to New York, I was like, is this just what happens? Is this what New York is? Like, (laughs) it didn't, I've
0: never heard of anything like this. No,
1: it didn't occur to me until way later that this was not normal behavior from the people that I was living with, that this was not a normal New York thing. Like, everybody that's cool does this with the guys on the street. So one day this guy came, and he was like uh, talking real fast. He was he was talking about he was saying oh, I'm checking into rehab, but I got to get a whole bunch of stuff. I got a bunch of stuff I'm gonna sell before I check myself into rehab. And uh, he goes, uh, but it, it's it's across town. I got to take a cab, and uh, the the people I was living with were all musicians. And so he was like, "I got some music stuff, some some guitars and stuff, and I'll, and, uh, I'll sell them to you, but I need twenty bucks to take the cab over here." So uh, me, I'm an idiot. I was like, uh, "Well, okay, sure. Here, I have twenty bucks."
0: <laughs> but you didn't even know what the music stuff was. You were just like, "Hmm, sounds interesting." Sounds I'll interesting. Pay twenty bucks for the price of admission.
1: Yeah. So they never tell you that.
0: <laughs> so, the did you ever see those 20 bucks again? No, he
1: left his jacket as collateral. That's something they should teach you. Never accept collateral. never accept a jacket as collateral. A jacket is bad collateral.
0: How much do you think the jacket would be valued at?
1: Um I don't know, maybe like $5?
0: Oh, so, you only lost 50. It was a
1: pretty nice jacket, but I don't know anyone. I don't know how to sell a jacket, you know?
0: Yeah. So, that guy never came back.
1: That's correct. And you never saw him again? Nope. I never did.
0: And those things that they were selling, like Girl Scouts coming to your door, do you want this? Those were all stolen items, I am to assume. Uh,
1: hard to say, you know? I don't know. Wow. oh you know what the other scam that i didn't fall for was what's that because i had read about this on the internet i'm walking so the scam goes like this you're walking down the street blah bitty, blah bitty, blah walking down and then a guy walks up he's got a plastic bag and he smacks the plastic bag against your leg and then he drops it and then you hear crash crash tinkle tinkle And uh, you keep walking. And then he goes, Hey, hey, I just, uh, you just bumped my bag and you broke my bottle of alcohol. And, uh, but it's not really a bottle of alcohol, it's just like a glass bottle full of water. And then he gets you to buy him like really expensive alcohol, or he gets you to like give him money, or he likes.
0: Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's
1: a classic scam. But I had
0: that's kind of a fun one. I had
1: read about it. and then it happened to me, and it, I was so excited.
0: <laughs> Did you say to the guy, "Are you the famous scammer?"
1: Yeah, like he's the one guy that does it." <laughs> <laughs> so it hit my leg, and I heard the thing and it was like, all the pieces are coming together, and I'm and I'm walking away. And he goes, "Hey, hey, come here!" And I just yell back, "No, I'm not falling for that!" And then I kept on walking.
0: What was his face like when you said that?
1: Shock and awe.
0: Really? No,
1: it was like he had made no expression whatsoever. <laughs> but in my mind, he was shocked and awed, and so impressed.
0: He's like, Who told? He was like, him?
1: "What? This guy knows." He was so impressed. In my brain. He's the
0: only man in New York who's been doing this for years and no one's ever caught on. Yeah. But this guy
1: Yeah, this guy must be really really smart.
0: Yeah. There was another, I thought you were going to talk about the guy who used to walk around New York City and say he was a costume designer and and he was like down on his luck and like he'd left all his costumes somewhere and he needed you to drive him. This was a guy, and I wish I remembered the specifics, and I'd love if any of the readers want to call in and if you remember this, because this was a popular thing around the NYU campus. People would see this guy. He was like a middle-aged guy who was just this really sweet, distressed costume designer who needed help with his stuff. Or maybe it was also something like he needed help carrying stuff.
1: And then what would happen?
0: I don't know, maybe he murders you? What? <laughs> I forget the end.
1: <laughs> this oh, is the
0: worst so scam ever. But I just thought it was interesting because it was like a specific story. Like, I'm a costume designer. I like, I like... I like it. That
1: he... It seemed like he was picking a very specific audience.
0: He was around the Tisch area. Right. Finding theater students. Ugh. That was sort of brilliant.
1: Once again actors are the perfect mark
0: they really are that's a recurring theme through our
1: it's basically the podcast. theme of our podcast
0: actors are a mark <laughs> well we're already in research right we never really let's transition let's open we're it up it. We're let's
1: in. open it up right now <laughs> what do you do when you need a little fact check
0: to go back and i wanted to do a little intellectual labor work find out the origins of schemes and scams and what's the difference and what's a confidence trick
1: oh what is a confidence trick
0: so a confidence trick also known as a bunco a con a flim flam gaffle grift hustle scam scheme swindle or bamboozle A confidence trick. (laughs) I sound like I'm in West Side Story. No,
1: you sound like you're Nathan Detroit. It's so good. (laughs) These terms are amazing. I know. This is a big part of the appeal for me is the terminology.
0: The terminology is really fun. Uh, A confidence trick is an attempt to defraud a person or group after first gaining their trust. Confidence tricks exploit victims using their naivete compassion vanity irresponsibility and greed researchers have defined confidence tricks as a distinctive species of fraudulent conduct intending to further voluntary exchanges that are not mutually beneficial as they benefit the con operators the con men at the expense of their victims or their marks So I don't really understand from this (laughs) definition.
1: Damn, I was hoping you were going to explain it in a way that I could understand.
0: Yeah, because like, what's the difference between that and a scam? A scam and a confidence trick, to me, they sound just like synonyms for one another. I'll
1: tell you one that I found that I really like. I actually found this little nugget of information when we were looking up cults, but then I didn't include it. But it's so good for schemes. Which is, you know about the Heaven's Gate cult, right? Oh, yeah. Big ol' Heaven's Gate cult. They were the Hale-Bopp comet cult. Right. So, before they all killed themselves, they took out alien abduction insurance policies. Which... (laughs) You know, there wasn't, like, a guy selling those. They basically had to, like, convince somebody to sell them. Uh, But he did it. And uh, he sold them all. Alien abduction insurance policies. They were all assuming when I, you know, go to the comet, those insurance policies are going to pay off for all of my loved ones. Uh of course that didn't actually happen. Didn't go down that way. Uh but I like the angle of the guy selling the insurance.
0: Me too.
1: Because I would like to get in on that action. If we could s- if we could sell insurance to like conspiracy theory people.
0: Oh my god. We could make a fortune.
1: Yeah. This is like what? the
0: QAnon people. We could sell insurance to, and then we right. would feel so bad about it.
1: What kind of insurance could we sell them?
0: Um, for when the Jewish lasers,
1: Jewish okay. laser insurance,
0: Jewish laser insurance. You just named our company. <laughs> what else do they believe in? I guess you know lizard protection policies. Um. Protection pol- policies for their children against the Hollywood pedophilia ring.
1: Yes, I was thinking about something like um, some sort of like gun insurance policy. You know, cause- so-
0: socialist antifa.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Insurance.
1: Oh, yeah, that's great. Okay, this is great. Uh, so they're worried about the socialist takeover, right? They might. They're probably assuming, uh, you know, private. Uh, wealth is going to be confiscated and uh, redistributed by the government.
0: Yeah, to all those freeloaders.
1: We insure all their stuff <laughs> from being <laughs> confiscated by the government. They pay us a fee. We we pay out uh, if and when all of their private property is seized by the government. We pay them. That's their policy. And until that happens, baby, cha-ching. We're just collecting checks
0: that's a really good idea thank you I mean I know you sort of stole it off that brilliant guy who
1: right you know, ripped oh.
0: off the heavens gay people but it's really good here's
1: the thing he didn't he felt really bad about it afterwards uh not about selling them the insurance because that's his job <laughs> <laughs> but he felt really bad that uh he didn't like, think it was suspicious that they were all buying what was essentially life insurance at the same time.
0: Oh. Yeah, I do wonder about the people who sell insurance. I feel like they could stop a lot of murders and um, suicides from happening. Like, I was reading about upstate crime, and we've had a lot of murders up here, and there was a guy who killed his wife upstate... And, you know, hired a guy to do it. So he looked innocent and he discovered the body and was so upset. But like, it's, and this is so often the case. He bought a, like a double life insurance policy for her the Always. week before. Listen, it's not enough he, to he was just a hockey player. kill
1: your spouse. You want to make some money off of it too.
0: Yeah. It's like, I guess he wanted to see other women. And he also felt like, because he was this really successful hockey player, that she was going to take him for all he was worth. So he was trying to, you know, free himself for other ladies and also make a buck while doing that. But, I mean, it's so typical. Don't they know? Right.
1: Don't they watch all those murder shows that I watch? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) When I'm stuck on a cruise ship?
0: I mean, I was just watching YouTube videos and I went down a deep hole and I had a great time. I mean, not a great time because murder isn't cool. We're going to edit this lo- this part that I'm talking about. I have a feeling we're going to have to edit a time.
1: lot of this. <laughs> this could be our most edited episode yet.
0: <laughs> Just trying not to offend people, but it's like a real zigzagging around <laughs> to not do that. <laughs> I've got a famous scam. This one is called Victor Lutzig and the Eiffel Tower Sale. In 1925, the hoaxer from Bohemia posed as a French government official to sell the Eiffel Tower a scrap. Having commissioned stationery carrying an official government seal, he wrote to bosses in the French scrap metal industry. This is actually such a cool idea. And he invited them to a meeting at this, like, fancy Paris hotel. And he told them, because of engineering faults and costly repairs, we just have to tear down the Eiffel Tower. Um, and they're go- they were going to sell the tower to the highest bidder. Twelve bids came in, and the winner was this businessman, French businessman named Andre Poisson, which I believe means fish. But he was too embarrassed to inform the French police that he'd been conned.
1: So. No way! And he and that was it.
0: That's the story. It was just like a really good con that worked. Yo embarrass them and they won't report you
1: historical i love it and that guy's a genius what was his name mr fish
0: andre poisson was the dum-dum oh. who bought the eiffel <laughs> tower but this guy's name was victor lutzig
1: oh man lutzig that guy's on another level
0: i mean it's so bold and this is what I think with schemes and scams. Like one really cool thing is when you do it in a bold way like that and you get away with it. It's almost like so who would ever accuse that of being a scheme because it's the Eiffel Tower. Obviously, someone who's sending out official government documents and meeting you at a French fancy Parisian hotel like he's legit. right? That's
1: confidence. That's a confidence scheme. And I don't care yeah. what your definition says.
0: I also went on a bender about, do you remember the hipster grifter? That was maybe 10 years ago. Oh,
1: I do remember that.
0: She went to go work at Vice in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And she did all this crazy stuff. Like, she was this really cute woman in her 20s. And she'd flirt with all these guys and, like, steal their phones and pretended she had cancer and borrowed money. And had she had this whole crazy backstory and I was reading about her and and again it goes back to this confidence because this one guy was quoted as saying I had a whole hour-long conversation with her about whether she should leave her job um, and go to this other job the truth is she wasn't even working a job right she had we no had job. a whole imagined conversation
1: that's great yeah she's got yeah. some cajones that girl.
0: She does. Also. And when I Googled her, she's, she's struck again since <laughs> her prison time. So she's back at it.
1: I bet she has. You can't keep a good con down. There was a hippie guy um, doing the same thing, you know, because all of my friends in high school were crunchy hippie jam band bros. Those were
0: my friends, too.
1: No, they were all mine. Hmm. <laughs> um, and there was a, there was a thing going around on the the hippie message boards warning people about this one guy who was like a a frat bro talking and he would always like he would be at hippie shows and then he would end up like hanging out at your house and then he would tell you all these stories where he would like need to crash. He's got some money coming through, but he just needs a little another week crashing at your place, eating your food, drinking your drinks. And he was just doing it over and over like show by show, just following people around. That guy's got a on. I had boyfriends.
0: On. I had boyfriends who did that to me. <laughs> like they'd be like, "Oh, I'm I have this like in-between time like you know, I'm out of my apartment. I just want to look for some new places and take time. Can I stay with you for like a month?
1: How many boyfriends and how many months?
0: I'd say that happened with one, two, maybe maybe three, at least two boyfriends I can think of. And one of those boyfriends actually borrowed cash from me, oh. which I've never... I was in high school. I think he borrowed like 60 bucks. High school? I was Sorry, not high school, college. <laughs> NYU. NYU. Um, he was at Tisch with me, and actually he recently messaged me and asked me to get coffee on LinkedIn.
1: And you were like, I'll take that 60 bucks back.
0: I was like, is it 60 bucks worth of coffee? I just, yeah, I think I loaned him 60 bucks, and I'm going to guess I never got it back. And he ghosted me. And then I had a boyfriend in my late 20s who actually was a nice person. I don't think it was a con, because then he did get an apartment, but he did stay with me for a month. That could have been, in different circumstances, the beginning of, ultimately, a scam against me.
1: Are uh, I'm going to go out on a limb. Are these guys actors? <laughs> ding,
0: ding, ding. <laughs> well, one worked in, like, tech theater, and one was a director. But, yeah, for for our purposes, they're actors. Right.
1: Well, we are unstable people,
0: yeah. there's an instability, and there's kind of a live and paycheck to paycheck sort of thing and right. you know, people are more understanding about that because they're all in the same field doing that together
1: right. yeah, I'm into I'm into lending a helping hand if I can, especially if it's someone I mean, I'm having sex with.
0: right. If it's someone you're having sex with, you're blinded.
1: I get so many helping hands.
0: That felt a little sexual. And that's not what our listeners love to hear, Colin. They like you wholesome. They do. <laughs> I've gotten a lot of write ins that people like it better when Colin's wholesome.
1: <laughs> I've received a little bit of that feedback myself.
0: Oh, yeah, you actually have. Do you want to share?
1: No, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um so yeah i also like um i mean schemes and scams are really interesting but i also want to say that there is a tie-in here with upstate there's been a lot of movies about upstate crime because we have had a lot of upstate crime we even had a serial killer so we did you know yeah
1: who did we have
0: this guy who like threw women into the river and his name he had a, you know these serial killers always have like a, a lot of different uh, names Hudson
1: Strangler
0: <laughs> that sounds very like almost like 1970s to
1: me sure that's when all the best serial killers were so the guy upstate threw ladies in the river
0: yeah he threw ladies in the river um I forget what his name was I can Google it really quick. Uh I didn't write I didn't write it in my notes because it was so dark. John Riversor you know? <sighs> Wow. Okay, well just you guys Google upstate serial killers. This stuff's too dark for our, our wholesome podcast. But there are a lot. But Escape from Danamora have you seen it, that?
1: No, what's that?
0: Well that's about these people from the Danamora prison who escaped. And um, it oh, was a, wait, was a that, woman. Oh, wait, was that those
1: two guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the lady?
0: hmm and the lady fell in love with one of them, or she was sleeping with, like, both of them, I think. Oh, I want to watch that. Yeah, Patricia Arquette plays the woman in the, I believe it's HBO. She does? Uh, doc, yeah, and Paul Dano is one of the guys, and Benicio Del Toro is the other guy. It's really good. That took place really close to here. And then, of course, there's Chris Porco, The Romeo Killer, uh, Lifetime original movie, which... I'm not going to go into too much, but that did take place very close to where we live. And we did go to high school with Chris Borco.
1: And I did rewatch that movie
0: very recently,
1: approximately six or seven months ago.
0: As did I. Because I was on that text chain with you. It's pretty bad. It's not well done. The guy from Will say... and Grace stars in it.
1: <laughs> it doesn't seem like the perfect vehicle for Will from Will and Grace. <laughs> It doesn't seem like that would be the next yeah, prob- move. Probably wasn't his first choice, we'll say.
0: I think that was a pay the pay the bills kind of role.
1: I think that might have been a, uh, oh, it looks like my health insurance is about to run out
0: <laughs> kind of work. I guess I could do this for a few days. You know, Lifetime original movies used to be good back in the day. Remember Kirsten Dunst? She was in that movie about being pre- like 13 and pregnant. That was good.
1: Based on the show?
0: This was before the show. Maybe it was 17 and pregnant. Mm. But I remember watching it in high school and wanting to be pregnant. That's <laughs> when it inspired me in the wrong way. I was like, this is cool. She's dropping out of school. Ooh, <laughs> She gets out of school? She gets out of school for this? Anyway, I'm just saying there's a lot of crime that's happened in upstate New York.
1: There sure has.
0: Is it time to pitch? Or do we need a word from our sponsor?
1: Oh, we definitely need a word from our sponsor. Are you tired of watching Redditors and other internet losers get rich trading online while you're stuck going to work all day? Pharma Bro is a one-of-a-kind prescription drug trading app which allows you to buy out entire supplies of prescription drugs from companies like Pfizer, Roche, Novartis, and Johnson & Johnson and resell it at market value. If you've got a few hundred thousand dollars laying around, you could double, triple, or quadruple your money with a smartly timed investment in products like insulin, al- albuterol, or Lipitor. People all over the country are literally dying to get a hold of these products, and thanks to PharmaBro, you could be the one holding the medications they desperately need. Heart disease, cystic fibrosis, cerebral palsy. These are just a few of the top-earning diseases you could be investing in. Flip your drugs at a marginal interest for a steady stream of cash, or hold on to your drugs and watch those prices go to the moon! enter promo code profiteer to get your first three trades with absolutely no trading fees and don't miss out on another record year bro cash in on life-saving medications with pharma bro
0: is it time to pitch our own schemes and scams
1: yes oh whoa, whoa. what's
0: the pitch?
1: what's the pitch? Which idea's going to make us rich? What's the scheme? What's the plan? We're going to come up with the greatest scam.
0: Here we go. I put an ad out in the local newspaper for pet sitting services. I'll watch your dog at my apartment. Okay. And I'm going to show studio pictures of a random dog kennel to appear legit. It's an extremely low price because I'm a new business. My friend Colin will write me a fake review on my fake website. His review is going to say, They might be a new company, but they really know their stuff. (laughs) My dog was thrilled. People will have to send a photo of their dog along with payment so I can keep the doggies straight at my work. Because I have so many clients. Once I collect the animals, Okay, I'm going to be masked because it's a pandemic. And... I'm using a fake name of course i get to keep the dogs i'll venmo the people back their deposit um, from an empty llc account which i'll take out under a false identity because it's not their money i'm after it's their sweet sweet adorable doggies then i'll shave my head and invest in <laughs> one really realistic looking blonde wig I'll move towns and begin to use my real name, Risa. I'll find a home with a big backyard area for the dogs. My new friends will have a fantastic life, and their owners will be stunned and shocked at first, but they'll move on. Maybe some of them will even buy new dogs or, like, have kids or whatever. And in the end, yes, technically, I dog napped a few furry friends, but no one was the wiser, and no one lost money. So this con is both animal-friendly because they will be happier with me. You're welcome, PETA. And not really that illegal, since I didn't steal any money or injure anyone.
1: Your scheme is highly adorable, and in no way, well, it is criminal, because you're stealing dogs. Actually, pretty rough. Emotionally, for those people... I kept on waiting for the part where you make money.
0: (laughs) No, no, no. You don't always have to make money. Sometimes it's just for your own pleasure.
1: It's a crime of passion.
0: This is a crime of passion because I love me some pups.
1: You just want all the dogs.
0: Yeah, I just want all the dogs. But I don't want to pay for them. So in that way, money is involved. I'm giving those people back their money. They can go buy another dog. But I've got theirs. And I become their new mother. And what I liked about this scheme, not to compliment myself, (laughs) but what I thought was kind of cool was just how developed my plan was. Because actually getting a dog is just, you could just go, you know, buy a dog or steal a dog when someone goes into a grocery store and leaves them out on the street. But I've gone through such a methodical, intricate process here with the wigs and the LLC and the fake, you know. There was a dramatic flair.
1: A bit of your, yeah, and- a bit of your uh, drama is showing
0: mm-hmm. with,
1: the, with the shaving of the head and the wig. You just can't turn down an opportunity to dress up, to have a costume.
0: It's fun to feel like a spy.
1: Right. Here's my pitch. I would like to cash in on flat earthers. And I want to get them to pay me to travel the world. And I will do that by setting up a fraudulent GoFundMe for the flat earthers. We know there's a lot out there. I'm saying, listen, this is my quest. I'm going to prove the earth is flat. I'm heading all over this flat disc world, and I'm searching for evidence of a cover-up by the world's governments. So we start jacking up that... uh, GoFundMe, and I am just using this money to travel. I'm using it for a paid vacation. I'm going all over the place. I'm having a great time. And every once in a while, I'm throwing them a bone, right? I'm writing a blog post. I'm telling them I'm on the brink of a breakthrough discovery. I really need an extra $10,000 for, for the important work that I'm doing,
0: Right. You're getting so close. I'm getting so but you just close. Need a yeah. help.
1: I need to rent a boat to find the ice wall. I need, you know, I'm getting really close to all this stuff. And I do this for approximately a year. And I have a year of traveling on other people's dimes.
0: I really like that. And as you were talking, I thought of an, what could maybe be another good one for me. Ooh. Well, because. So there's different kinds of scams, right? And I was reading about them. Like, there's there's uh, phishing, spoofing, internet merchandise schemes. Um, and there was something I read about called a sweetheart swindle. And as you talked about, you know, your blog traveling the flat earth, I thought, I think I'd be really good at a sweetheart swindle. I basically make a fake, let's say, eHarmony account. Get the older Christian guys, because everyone mm. knows they'd be interested. So I go on a dating site and I I meet someone and I could say that I live in another country. I know that's a typical one, you know, but I need money to get there. And then as I'm asking for more money, I could sort of use like implement your idea of the blog. I thought that was really fun. Like I could be sending photos, like oh, now I'm in Germany, I'm almost there. And then I could just use old photos of myself or whoever this character is, I could just find some stock photography online and you could travel the world. Like you're getting to that guy with your sweetheart's swindle. Like I'm almost, I'm almost in New Jersey. Right. I can't wait to get there. It's such a long trip. It's almost like you're in the 1900s. Like you're just like <laughs> mm-hmm. traveling from country to country, slowly edging your way toward the guy. Yeah,
1: I like that. I like it particularly if you're not even using your own photos.
0: Yeah, I think I'd find some fun stock photography, the kind of things that you find in uh, frames at the frame store.
1: Or like something that you could just pull from like when your friends put up 100 headshots of themselves and then you just you just pull them all and you're like, you, you put like little flags in the back of each one and you're like, this is me in Germany.
0: Oh, I'm in Japan. <laughs> yeah, this is
1: me in Japan. And you're like, it's just the same shot with the same background but there's like a one little flag that you've photoshopped in
0: you don't even try to put like a ski slope behind you or change up the background you're just putting one little flag yeah that's right (laughs) you're putting a lot of i mean you're putting the con and con man so the confidence in con man so i do appreciate that big
1: confidence and now a word from our sponsor
0: Having trouble hearing, what's that you say? Might mean you have an earwax buildup. Gross! Actually, not gross. Did you know that 8 out of every 10 Americans thinks that excessive wax buildup is repulsive and therefore never even thought of getting it removed? Newsflash! Q-tips don't work. They just push that orange gunk in further. Stop with the toxic wax shaming and head to your local boutique drugstore to pick up something safe, organic, and reliable. Waxap. Waxap is a paraben free bee pollen-based serum you put at the base of your oral canals. Waxap absorbs into the ear and dissolves wax buildup almost immediately. Then, simply go in the tub and soak your ears for 3-4 to four hours to remove the serum and hear clearly. No more embarrassing incidents like asking your wife to repeat herself at dinner or almost getting hit by a bus. Let WaxApp give you the pristine hearing of a child. Find it at your nearest boutique pharmacy or on your grocer's shelves. And stop with the wax shame. You know we love to do a 2-on-1 interview. But... Today we're doing a little bit different. This episode we're doing something a little crazy. We're doing our crime confessionals. Colin, you want to explain what a crime confessional is?
1: A crime confessional is uh, we put out the word asking for people to contribute and let us know uh, their, their own personal stories of run-ins with the law. And they're anonymous. Oh yes, and they're anonymous. Let's see what we got. Your secret's safe with us.
2: We are the
1: professionals. Tell us your transgressions On our crime confessional. Crime confessional. There was a garden store in our town and that had a big sign with letters that could be rearranged depending on like what was um, on special that they were selling that week. Um, the sign itself had an old padlock on it to keep people from messing with it, but it was pretty easy to get it open. So my sister and I had driven past the sign for about a week waiting for them to put the letters into like a combination that would work, and then finally we saw that they were advertising for pine mulch and fresh aster plants. So that night we snuck down to the sign um, and picked the lock and rearranged the letters. And when we left, they were then advertising for nipple munch and fresh ass. And it was still there the next morning, but they fixed it pretty quickly after
2: that. I'm from Minneapolis, which is a big city to most of the rest of Minnesota and on account of the rest of minnesota it wasn't too surprising in 1977 to find a tractor dealership on university avenue at the edge of the bucolic neighborhood where me and my friend tim grew up one hot summer saturday night when we were 15 we were prowling around the premises and discovered that they didn't bother to remove the keys from the tractors at night so naturally, we took ourselves on some juvenile joyrides just around the lot, one of us driving, the other bouncing around in the bucket, which we figured out how to lift dangerously off the ground. Sure enough, someone called the cops, and we were hauled off to the station. We weren't arrested, but we were definitely good cop, bad cop, until Tim's mom picked us up. You know, let's lock him up. No, let's let him go. My parents' punishment was actually pretty severe for me at the time. They wouldn't let me go to the Eagles concert.
1: When I was a little kid, I went over to my friend's house to play with her Little Mermaid doll. And I really liked this doll. So I stole it by putting it into my underpants. And it was plastic and spiky. And I still remember how uncomfortable it was to steal it in my underpants. As soon as I got home, I broke down in front of my parents and admitted to what I'd done. My dad drove me back to the girl's house to apologize and say that the doll had fallen into my pants. I don't know how anyone would believe that it fell into my pants. But
0: I did that, and then he drove me by the police station and said, this is where you're going to end up if you ever do anything like that again. Brutal.
3: So in 2013, I was racing through Prospect Park on my bike, as I often did, and apparently I was going in the wrong direction. Not allowed. I was going counterclockwise, and one must bike the loop only clockwise, or vice versa. And uh, despite it being a uh, cold, rainy Tuesday in March uh, with maybe 10 other warm bodies in a very large park, a cop sought to get in her car and chase me down and ticket me. And because it was such a dumb and brief encounter and uh, not a good use of <laughs> poli- uh, policing uh, bikers and human traffic in a public park. I-, I kind of disregarded it, did not pay said fine. And cut to maybe four months later, I was late to make a make a Amtrak train to flee the city and meet my girlfriend at the time. And thus I saw fit to uh, hop a turnstile because I heard a train approaching and it cost me dearly because there were two undercover cops. I think, but in the process of busting someone else for uh, a fair evasion, let's call it that, and uh, they nabbed me, and what would have been a slap on the wrist became an overnight in Central Booking because I had not yet paid off the fine for my uh, my egregious trespass of biking the wrong way. So uh, they cuffed me, brought me down to infamous Central Booking in downtown Brooklyn where I spent the night and did the whole routine, uh, overcrowded cells and gross uh, half-moldy cheese sandwiches and old-ass apples, and finally saw a judge maybe noon or one the next day, and uh, she promptly waived the charge. And said, don't do it again, young man. And uh, so there you have it. Not terribly exciting, but a good lesson to, uh, I guess, not bike the wrong way in Prospect Park. And uh, don't, don't hop that, that turnstile because, you know, the MTA needs your money. Um, So there you go. I think there were more, uh, there were some more sort of details, but I'll leave you with that for now.
0: So first of all, we want to thank everyone for their crime confessionals. We thank you for trusting us with your sacred stories, and we promise not to go to the cops.
1: Right. And I promise that I won't take any of those ideas for our life of crime because those people didn't seem like hardened criminals to me. They seemed more like a couple of no-good kids.
0: (laughs) i agree i don't think any of these people these anonymous callers uh pursued a life of crime after they committed these small crimes didn't seem like
1: like real masterminds to me
0: although the one at least not
1: in the crime area
0: there was that one though with the aerial doll down the pants and that felt a little i don't know what happened with that person i didn't like their voice the voice was odd not quite sure what was happening there. I think they masked it for anonymity, which I understand. And so, I guess the final question, Colin, is: l- is a life of crime for us?
1: Seems to me the perfect crime doesn't exist—the one that we could pull off and not get caught.
0: There's no such thing as the perfect crime.
1: Roll that outro music. <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening to Risa and Colin figure out what to do with their lives. Tune in next week when we explore the world of wellness. If you liked what you heard, please rate us, leave a review, and subscribe. Okay, bye.